The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, today we ask in every life present, in every life generous over the internet, Father, that you do that which eyes have not seen. Do that which ears have not heard. Do that which has not even begun to enter into the hearts of men. Teach us your word today. Open a book of remembrance for us. That is everything you have for us in 2017 will be delivered to us, oh God. We take possession of every single item to the praise and glory of your name. Honor and glory we give unto you, Heavenly Father. Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Let's pray together for the Lord as we sit down. Good morning. Emmanuel, or God is with us. You know, as I waited on God and, you know, just sat before God, what this is the last Sunday of. 2017, what would you have us share? What do you have for us? You know, and I felt God saying, Emmanuel, God with us. Praise the name of the Lord. And, you know, and I was like, okay, it's getting interesting. Because if you look at us sometimes, and look at our, our, our lives as, as we're going to read or as we have read about Joseph and Mary and, and Jesus that he said his name is Emmanuel God with us. God with us and they want to kill this baby. God with us and they were running Elta Skelter and God was with them. And God was with them. They had to be, you know, um, refugees in Egypt and God was with them. In fact, they were carrying God and escaping with God. <laughs> and God was with them. Praise the name of the Lord. And you see, many times we look at our lives, we expect something different. And God is saying, with what you have, if you will pay attention, you will notice that I am with you. And I want you to look at your neighbor and say, God is with you. You may look like Joseph, like you are the one. Yes, God is with you, but you are the one rescuing God. You know, have you felt that way before? That you know, God is the baby. You are the one running to Egypt. If you don't run, God will be dead. <laughs> you know, and God wants us to calm our nerves this morning as we look at and approach 2018 with confidence. And I was a confidence that, and as we close out this year with confidence that God is with us. Open your Bibles to two openings or swipe your app to two openings. The first is in Matthew chapter 1, 20 to 23. And the second is in Isaiah chapter 7, 2 to 14. Matthew 1, 20 to 23. The background to that story was Joseph had a babe he wanted to marry. And this babe was a good girl. Also, he thought. Until she came to him and she told him, that, look, I'm pregnant. And Joseph was like, how can you be pregnant? I thought we were together. And he says, it's the Holy Ghost that did it. And obviously, Joseph was confused. Holy Ghost impregnated you. Now, guys, 
not kidding. For those of us that are married, if you are not married, if the person you want to marry came and says, I'm pregnant, it's the Holy Spirit. Would you, how would you take it? Would you be happy? Would you believe? Who would believe? Let me see your hands up. I will believe. She says the Holy Ghost. Woman, look around, look around. Can you see any hand up? <laughs> she says it's the Holy Ghost. Who will believe? So Joseph was in that place where he was confused and he, he, he didn't want to, I mean, he, he, she's a good girl. How? Spirit. I, I mean, well, I can't handle this. He concluded. I, and, and the Bible says they planned to put her away quietly. Just go away with all your drama. Let me start my life afresh. Then the story goes from there. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, what was the Lord's message? If you come back like about 400 years before then, maybe 500 years before then, there was a king called Ahaz, king of Israel, king of Judah. And Isaiah, the prophet. Now, the king of Israel, who was supposed to be brothers, or the brother to the king of Judah, connived with the king of Syria, and ganged up together to destroy Judah. Now, this is very interesting. Now, Judah and Ahaz was filled with fear and confusion. And at that time, God said to Isaiah, Isaiah 7 from verse 2, The news had come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is allied with Israel against us. So the hearts of the king and his people trembled with fear, like trees shaking in a storm. You know, it's amazing. When I, they were so afraid. They are, it was as if wind was blowing them. They were so shaking. Why? Because Syria was a big nation and still is. Israel was about... 10, 11 times bigger than Judah. And they connived and Ahaz was scared. I don't know what is making you afraid this morning. I mean, some of us, we look at how maybe 2017 or just a particular aspect of our lives and we are scared. We are afraid. to. If you want to describe how scared you are, it's like wind that is blowing trees. In a storm, that is how shaky you are this morning. Then, through his prophet. Nope. Is that what he says? Come on. Can you take it back to the beginning? Thank you. Then, from verse 3, next one is what? Through his prophet. No. Then the Lord said, God is with us. 
go. <laughs> I will send you to school. Jumbo, my son, you know that son. <laughs> I sent you to school. You don't know how to press computer. <laughs> The Lord said to Isaiah, take your son, share Jeshub. Now, follow the story and go out to meet King Ahaz. You will find him at the end of the aqueduct that feeds water into the upper pool. Can you see precision, accuracy? Who says, you know, God is just amazing. Near the road leading to the field where cloth is bleached, is washed, is the bleaching center. Tell him to stop worrying. God is saying to you today, stop worrying. Tell her, tell him to stop worrying. Tell him he doesn't need to fear the fierce anger of those two burnt out ambers. King Rezin of Syria. And Pekah, son of Ramalia. Yes, the kings of Syria and Israel are plotting against him, saying, we will attack Judah and capture it for ourselves. Then we will install the son of Tabil as Judah's king. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. It will never take place. For Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus. And Damascus is no stronger than its king, Rezin. As for Israel, within 65 years, it will be crushed and completely destroyed. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria. And Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekah, son of Remalia. Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. The sign Later, I think that's the title. Later, the Lord sent his message to King Hares. As the Lord, ask the Lord your God for a sign of confirmation, Ahaz. Make it as difficult as you want. As high as the heaven above or as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. No, he said, I will not test the Lord like that. Then, Isaiah said, listen well, your royal family of, you royal family of David, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right then, the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. And we call him Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. Now, if you look at Ahaz and you look at Joseph, you will see that they are in a similar situation. Ahaz was afraid of external kings. Bigger than himself. External pressure. Joseph was afraid of social pressure. External kings. People that will jeer at him. That will even stone him. Because you are not married and your, your girlfriend is pregnant in Israel at that time. Expect stones. And God sent the same word. I mean, it was a prophetic word for Hares. It was a prophetic word 
for Joseph. And God said, the name of the child will be Emmanuel. And it means God is with us. So, so the question is, when if you, the, the Matthew account, when it says his name shall be called Jesus, then it goes ahead to explain the meaning of the name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. And you will call him Emmanuel. And the Bible went on to interpret it. Meaning God is with us. So so what's the significance of that? Why would God interpret the meaning of... I mean, there are names in the Bible. God will say, name him this. Nobody will interpret it. His name is that. Nobody will interpret it. Why does the name of Jesus need interpretation? The answer is this. The name of Jesus needs interpretation because of you and I. God knows that we don't speak Hebrew. And God wants us to understand that Jesus is for all of us. Praise the name of the Lord. God wants us to understand. <laughs> you know, say, okay, yeah, we don't speak Hebrew. But pastor, uh, we could have um, uh, checked the Hebrew Bible. But the key thing is, God wants us to understand that Emmanuel is God with us. For those of us that are non-Jews, he is still God with us. So the meaning of his name was important. And, and, and when you go through the story in Isaiah 7, in verse 3, it says, Then the Lord said to Isaiah, Take your son, share Jashub, and go out to meet King Ahaz. I read that story. I read the other chapter. I looked at the whole thing in context. If you look at this passage of scripture, take your son. Go and meet King Ahaz. What is the significance of that? Why did Isaiah have to take his son to go and meet King Ahaz? He has, and for the rest of the story, God did not say anything about his son. God, I thought, I, I was, what? Okay, take your son. What will God tell Isaiah to do with his son? Will he say his son should prophesy? Will he say his son should carry um, um, the incense? Just take your son. Why would God say that? Two reasons, there may be more. The first reason God told Isaiah, this is so important, that if you want to work with God, that is, I mean, which is every, every one of us. Take your son. Is this. God was saying to Isaiah, take your son because I am going to send my son. Take your son on this errand because I am going to send my son on an errand. I want you to know how it feels, Isaiah. <laughs> take your son. Let him be a part. Let him, let him carry the weight of this message with you. Because I am going to send my son. Many times. Many times. God asks us to dramatize something that he wants to orchestrate. Many times. God will want to do something big. He wants to he wants, he wants to give something awesome. He will ask us to do something little to, as, as, a, as, as like um, acting out what he wants to do. God said to Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, and go and sacrifice him. Did, was God interested in the blood of the boy? No. So what was God doing? God was asking Abraham to dramatize what he wants to orchestrate. God was saying to Abraham, go and know how it feels. Know how it feels 
to have a son that you have waited for, that you love, and you now take that son and now give it up for a purpose bigger than yourself. If you're going to work with God, you need to understand this. God will ask you to do things sometimes that doesn't make sense. All in a bid to make you feel what he is feeling. God will take you through a path that you can't understand. All because he, he says, you are my friend. I, you know, you can't be friends with somebody that you can't feel what the person is feeling. I'm your friend. So, so come this way. I want you to feel what I am feeling. So God said to Isaiah, take your son. God said to um, Abraham, bring your son. So that you know how it is. In the body. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Many times, God was every, if you check history, everyone that is great with God, God would have them live or give a sacrifice. God would say, God wants, as in mind, I want to do something huge and mighty. And God would say, Who are you? Give something huge and mighty to you. And many times, some people miss it. Every time God asks me to give something huge and mighty, I'm always excited. You know why? Because God doesn't take from us. No. God is not trying to take things from us. God is trying to get things to us. God is not trying to take blessings away from us. God is trying to get blessings to us. So, when God says... Make this sacrifice for me. What God is saying is, I want to see you go through it so that when I do mine for you, it begins to make sense. Praise the name of the Lord. Take your son. A lot of people miss God just, just, just there. You know, you can't work with God. Why? Because God is placing a demand on something and you're like, yeah, I can't, I can't. If I do it, I will die. God says exactly, I want you to die. <laughs> so that you can know that I am the only one that can raise you up from the dead. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, God says concerning Abraham in, in Hebrews that he reckoned that God was able to raise his son from the dead. Even if he had to kill him. Because God had said in Isaac shall your seed be. Abraham was confident. That even when I sacrifice this boy. This God. Is going to raise him back to dead. From the dead. I'm about to see action. Every time. God asks you to do something. That is huge for you. You are about to see action. You are just, you are just about to see action. Everyone that works with God understands this. Everyone that has a tangible relationship with God understands what I'm saying. You will have a tangible relationship with God. Say amen. So you will understand it. So that's the first reason. The second reason God uh, 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 said, take your son. He mentioned the name of the son. Share Jeshub. And the meaning of that name is a remnant will remain. So, take this boy with you. And he mentioned the name of the boy. When he gets to the palace of the king, Isaiah, I mean, that's what the, that was what the king did. When, you, when somebody, when the prophet brings his son, or, so, or somebody you respect brings their son, you will ask the name of the boy, right? You say, oh, how are you? What's your name? I says, my name is, is what? Um, Share. They understand that it means a remnant will remain. God is saying, no matter how bad it looks, I'm going to resurrect the situation. That is what he's saying. So God is saying, there will still be hope. Not only will there be hope, there will be a growth. And not only will there be a growth, there will be a restoration. And God is saying, bring up that scripture again take your son because a remnant will remain 
Now, if you go further in that story, you know, the Bible is just amazing. Totally amazing. And if you read verse, verse 10 to 14, it says, Later, the Lord sent this message to the king, to King Hears, and ask the Lord for a sign for, of confirmation. Hears. Make it as difficult as you want. As high as the heaven, as deep as the place of the dead. But the king refused. Now listen to what the king said. This is what he said. He says, no, he said. I will not test the Lord like that. Now, when you hear someone, keep this text up. When you hear someone say, God says, ask for a sign. No matter how hard, make it very hard. So that you will know that I am God. And the person replies and says, oh, I don't want to ask for a sign. I don't want to put God to, to the test. What does that sound like? Sounds like what? Spiritual, right? Right? Someone that has faith. Someone that is um, confident in his God. Doesn't need a reassurance. Right? So, <laughs> but what he was really saying, though it was sounding very spiritual, what he was really saying was, I don't want to obey God. It doesn't look like it. It sounds so spiritual. In fact, I almost missed it until I read the next verse. I read it, I was like, wow, what a king that is filled with faith. Listen to what happens next. Then Isaiah said, listen well, you royal family of David, isn't it enough to exhaust human patience? Must you exhaust the patience of my God as well? All right, then the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin is going to conceive and he's going to have a son. And his name shall be called Emmanuel. God with us. And that is the problem with old Christians. You must never be an old Christian. Say I. I. Must never be an old Christian. You must never be an old Christian. Old Christians know how to sound spiritual. But what they are saying is errant nonsense. Total nonsense. But when you hear it, it's spiritual. Oh, I don't want to put the God to the test. Oh, I don't, know. I don't need the fleece. Oh, it sounds spiritual. It sounds pious, but it's arrant nonsense. It's crap. It has no spiritual weight. What should have happened? What, when God says, ask, give me a sign, what if it were David or someone that is spiritual? What the person would have done? The person would have connected to the spirit of God and the person would have said, this is the sign I want from you that a virgin will conceive and will have a son. And God will say, I will do it. A virgin will conceive, I will have a son. But it was so carnal. So old Christianish. So it is possible. To sound spiritual, yet be speaking total nonsense. Be speaking spiritual nonsense. It is possible to sound very spiritual. Oh, in 2018, you will not be an old Christian. 2018 going forward. It's possible to sound oh, spiritual. You are, you are saying the right things, but what we are hearing in the spirit is nonsense. Nonsense. Listen, listen. There are countless number of people. Sit before them and say to them, Oh, what is this? What what is God telling you to do? And they are they are saying they're sounding very pious. And all I'm hearing is garbage. Nonsense. You have to understand that what God wants from you is an alignment with Him, not with your thoughts. Many of us, we are aligned with our thoughts and the figments of our imagination. What God wants from you is an alignment with him. In fact, 
God considers that when we don't align with him, it's like we are trying his patience. Not aligning with God is trying his patience. He says, how long, how long will you be vexing God? Another translation says, how long? Uh, so when you um, are listening to people, you need to listen with God's ears so that you will hear what you need to hear. Praise the name of the Lord. When we go to verse 2, thank you. It says, the news are come to the royal court of Judah. Syria is aligned with Israel against us. So the heart of the king and his people trembled with fear like trees shaking in a storm. When that happened, they trembled with fear like trees shaking in a storm, frantically out of control. They were afraid, scared to death with good logical reason. Now, if you look at verse 4, if you check what God said to them immediately, God said to Isaiah, tell him to what? Stop worrying. God tells him to stay calm before God told him how he was going to solve the problem. God will usually tell you not to worry in the face of the problem. <laughs> but God, is it not easier for you to take away the problem? Then I will not worry. <laughs> is that not the easier thing to do? You know, just take away the problem. That is what is causing me to worry, isn't it? So, in case you don't know how this works, God, take away the problem. Then I will not worry. Then you will know that you have a son that does not worry. You have a daughter that does not worry. And I will be full of faith. And that's not faith. In the face of the problem, God said, Tell him not to worry. I mean, sometimes when I say to people that I have these conversations with God, it doesn't appear so, it doesn't look like, but it's true. Sometimes I'm not a very fearful person by God's grace, naturally. You know, not many things panic me, you know. But I've had things that have panicked me, you know, as every human being would have. I've had my shares of sitting on the floor, bare floor, and saying to God, ha, how are we going to do this one? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and God would say, Femi, don't worry about it. And, you know, I'm like, can't you just take away the, solve the problem, then tell me not to worry. In fact, you don't need to tell me to worry. Just solve the problem. Boom! A miracle will happen. I will not worry again. <laughs> But God doesn't work like that. God says to you in the midst of the problem, don't worry. You know why God is saying in the, to you in the midst of the problem, don't worry? How do I put it? Let's assume that you have a mom that can cook a storm. You know, some people can cook a storm. When you, ant- when you enter their house like this, Smell will just be hitting you like waves of ocean. And you get home and you are hungry. And your mom says, Don't worry. Food is going to be ready in five minutes. What happens to your worry? Will you still sit down and be worrying? Oh, maybe I will be to starve to death. Or maybe. No. Why? Because mommy is capable to cook. And make things happen. So you go to play. In fact, you have energy to play because you know it's just five minutes. The problem comes when five minutes comes and the food is not ready. <laughs> you know? So when God says to us, He's saying to me to say to you today, Femi, tell them not to worry. 
It's because of the pedigree of the person that is saying no worry. Not because of the weight of the problem. So God is saying don't worry. So when God tells us not to worry, he, he steps back and he watches what we do. When we hear God says don't worry and we choose not to worry, guess what happens? We are putting confidence in him. It makes him feel good. It makes him want to perform praise the name of the Lord. God says don't worry. And God says that because we need to deal with the fear inside. First, then Watch God deal with the trouble outside. Hallelujah. We need to deal with the fear inside. That is your responsibility. God is not going to do that for you. God says, don't worry. Don't worry means don't worry. When you choose to obey God and not to worry, guess what happens? You are practically setting God free to do what you cannot do by dealing with the problem. I mean, I can tell you stories upon stories upon stories of how we've got into a place where we don't even know how it's going to happen. And I say to God, God, you told us to move in this direction. See all the trouble that is facing us just because we obeyed you. And he says to me, Femme, don't worry. Now, when he says that, if I can just secure that word, if I can just hear him, not, not conjure it up by myself, not wish that he said so, if I can just stay with him until I hear him say that, boom, my worry is gone. I'm, look, I walk away like a child, knowing that my daddy is up to the task. Praise the name of the Lord. I'm confident in him. And he's asked me to tell you this morning, don't worry. Quit worrying. You know, many, many times we deal with fear in different ways. People deal with fear in different ways. I was reading an article from a, a professor of psychiatry in John Hopkins University. I mean, that's like top medical school in the U.S., top, top, you know. And the professor was saying that when he meets people, when he meets people and they know that he's a psychiatry, psychiatrist and he's a professor at that, that they tell him so many things. Confession time. That they just begin to, because... <laughs> Particularly when he's on a flight with them. And they're like, oh, you're Professor so-and-so from this university. Are you a psychiatric? You know, they just say, oh, I had this problem with my husband. You know, I feel I'm expecting a shrink to set them straight. So he said he was on a plane with this man. And the man man says, he used to fear flying. (laughs) He used to be afraid of flying. So, so the, the, the professor asked him, so how did you overcome the, the fear? He says, I went to meet, um, 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 I went for counseling to meet a psychiatrist like, like yourself. And he helped me, but he didn't really help me much. But I later figured it out myself. So it was like, okay, yeah, that's usually what happens, you know. Um, and so what, what did he tell you? He says, he says that the, the, the chance of, and why, was, why was he afraid to fear, to, to, to fly? Brother, his, his fear of flying was that someone will bomb his plane. And in those days, you know, this airport security was not as it is today. You could practically just walk into, into the plane, you know, back then. So he says he was afraid that when he's sitting down, he's checking everybody. That guy, does he have a bomb? <laughs> you know? So he, 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 he doesn't like flying until... He got the breakthrough. So, he says, so what did he tell you? He says he told him that the chances of you getting on a plane with a bomber is one in 10,000. And the guy says, he left the shrink's office, not helped at all. And one 10,000, that's not good enough. 
So he says, so he later found that this is no personal research and discovered that for there to be two bombers, two people having a bomb in one plane, the chances are one in 10 million. He was like, ah, I can deal with that. For there to be two people carrying a bomb, the chances are one in 10 million. You know? So the professor was like, okay. So how do you reconcile that? He says, so every time I go on a plane, I come with a bomb. <laughs> so, 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 so that, that reduces the chances of the other person being on the plane with a bomb by one ten millionth. <laughs> so there can't be two of us. And the professor froze. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> we deal with our affairs differently. Some people just need placebos. Some people need different form of therapy. But nothing, nothing can deal with the fear like the word of God. Nothing. Nothing. Like taking in the word of God. And getting victory to the word of God. Look at verse 9. Verse 9. This is big with God. Huge with God. God says, says to him, Unless your faith is firm, I cannot make you stand firm. I mean, this is God that's saying, Oh, don't worry. I mean, I'm bigger than them. All of them put together, those twigs, two flaming twigs. I'm going to deal with them. But God said to him, as, <laughs> Okay, if you don't stand firm in your faith, I can't help you. That's what God was saying. Unless, NIV says, NIV says, if you don't stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Even if God is with you. So you have to stand in your faith, in your God. That is what activates God. The CEV version puts it this way. He says, and if Ahaz and his officials don't trust me, they will be defeated. So, when we don't put, when God stands before you and, 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 and says to you, like he's saying to you this morning, you don't need to be afraid. And you don't stand in that word. You don't stand in that faith. He's saying that you, defeat is sure. There's no other option. It's big with God. It's huge with God. Many of us, we need to get this word, the word of God, and listen to it over and over and over again. Until you, are, you hear it for yourself and you can get up and say, all is well. It's bad enough when we don't trust our friends that we trust, that we love, and are trustworthy, and we don't trust them. When you are trustworthy and you have a friend, that you know you are faithful to that friend, and you are trustworthy to the friend, and the friend does not trust you, how do you feel? How do you feel? So, how, how does God feel? When he says to us, don't worry, and we choose to be worried, how does he feel? You see, one thing I need to tell you, and you need to get today, is that people may fail you, but God will never fail you. Even the most trusted friend may fail you because it's human, but God will never, never fail you. Never, ever. Verses 5 and 7. He says, yes, uh, now listen to this. It says, yes, the king of Syria and Israel are plotting against him, saying, your enemies are speaking, they are plotting against you, and they are saying, but guess what, guess what, guess what, guess what? Verse 7. Go to verse 7, please. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. <laughs> so, the, 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 I don't know who Pekka is in your life. What, what, what? represents. It's speaking. But God is also speaking. 
The fear is speaking. It's telling you, oh, you're not going to make it. Oh, you're going to be a disaster. Oh, you think you can do it. You're not going to succeed. Oh, that person did it. Oh, it worked for you last time. It was luck. You have nothing in you to bring it to pass again. Blah, 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 blah. It's speaking. But guess what? The sovereign Lord is also speaking this morning. Resin and Pekka are saying, but God is also saying, Whose voice are you hearing? Whose voice is controlling your emotions? Because the voice you hear controls the emotions you, you feel. You can't say you're hearing God and you're filled with fear. No, it's not God you're hearing. It's not God. Who are you hearing? Whose report are you holding on to? Whose words are you repeating and repeating? And repeating and repeating. Whose words are you repeating? Oh, this business is not going to grind. Look at it. You know, the, the enemy is so crafty. Sometimes he comes to you with history. He says, okay, look at, you say that you want to make this business work. Look at your history of business. You, you, you're a failure. Don't you see? Nobody tells you the truth. Tell yourself the truth. But the devil is a bastard. And he's a big liar. <laughs> you know, they say, Pastor, why are you insulting them? Why are you calling him a bastard? Be careful, oh. be careful. He's a bastard. <laughs> anyone, anyone that will look Jehovah, the creator of the heavens and the earth in the face, and says that I want to be like, I want to raise my throne like your own is a bastard. Because that's your father. He's the source of all spirits. The father of all spirits. The God of all flesh. All of my brothers. Biological brothers. He said to me some years ago that every time he hears me say, the devil is a bastard. I used to say, hey. Leave the devil alone. No. Guess what? The devil is not going to leave you alone. You might as well not leave him alone. In that sense. <laughs> he says that, but, but why? But why? Why, the, why are your waist like, like that, you know? Then he went through some... Uh, <laughs> then he came to me and says, Ah! Pastor Femi, the devil is a bastard. <laughs> I said, now you are talking. <laughs> but really, crafty, tries to sell you a lie, oh, the year is done, Oh, you've lost this. Oh, you've lost that. Oh, you pray to God. He didn't answer you. Oh, you're going to the new year. You want to deceive yourself again that God is with you. Listen, God is with you. God is with you. If you look at verse 4, verse 4, again, it says, tell him to stop worrying. And in fact, not just tell him to stop worrying. It says, tell him he doesn't need to fear. There is no reason so, I'm not just saying, stop worrying. I'm telling you, it's not reasonable. It's not, it doesn't even make sense. That's what God is saying. It doesn't even make sense. You do not need to be afraid. There is no need to be afraid. It does not make sense. God is saying, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. Why? Why doesn't it make sense? What's the reason? Why is being afraid unreasonable? I'm not just saying, put your, go with blind faith. What's the reason behind it? Of course, thank God for blind faith. But what's the reason? God is saying, it is not just saying, I'm not just saying to you, don't worry. I'm saying to you, there's no reason. There's no basis for it. For two reasons. Why you should not fear. You have no reason. You are ending this year 2018 on a high. You are entering 2017 on a high. You are entering 2018 fired up. Taking everything that God has for you. 
there is no reason to be afraid. Why? Because our God is stronger. When you put them side by side, our God is stronger. Who is the demon? Who is the witch? Who is the wizard? Who is the... Your God is stronger. Verse 7, I mean, God is saying that both of them are twigs. That these two kings, they are burnt out ambers. That these two kings, they are nothing. God is saying, the people you are afraid of, they are total nothing. They are zero. They are zero. And I'm going to prove it to you that they are zero. Verse 8. It says, for Syria is no stronger than its captain. This is a huge leadership, leadership um, mind here. Huge leadership mind. It says, the Syria, for Syria is no stronger than its capital, Damascus. Because the capital is, is, is the stronghold. So, no city, no nation is as stronger than the stronghold. The stronghold is the strongest part of the nation. So, God is saying, Syria is not stronger than Damascus. And guess what? No stronghold is is stronger than the leader, than the king. And Damascus is not stronger than resin. And resin is a twig. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> you have seen the big Syria, big Damascus, huge resin. God is saying, it's a trick. Israel is no stronger than its capital, Samaria. Samaria is no stronger than its king, Pekka, son of Ramalia. And Pekka is a twig. So, your God is stronger. You have no reason to be afraid. My God is stronger. Who is resin? Who is Pekka? What is Damascus? What is Samaria? What is Syria? What is Israel? In this context. Like I said, it's a big, huge leadership mind. God is saying, no organization can rise above its leader. As the leader goes, the organization goes. If the leader is great, the organization will be great. If the leader is strong, the organization will be strong. If the leader is a twig, the organization is what? Uh, forget it. Look, you know, folks say things in, um, you know, the millennials loves flat structures, not no hierarchies, which is fine, which is good. But if you don't understand these principles, you're going to miss it. Check what happened to Apple. You know Apple? Steve Jobs, when he was alive, the phones never used to crash. Never. I, I've used the Mac for only God knows how long. I don't even reboot my I've forgotten. I was delivered from the days of Windows. But the man passes on. The systems and structures are still in place. They're still producing great products. But guess what? Apple is now rebooting like Windows. <laughs> no offense. Now you have to you have to you have to reboot at cold start, restart. Unbelievable. Why? Because one man, if you have a great if you have a business and you have a great leader in that business, protect that leader. If you have a great husband, protect him with your life. Why? Because there is no, as it goes, everything goes. Again, that's not where we are going today. <laughs> so God is saying, God is saying, Israel, I know, I know, I know, I know. It has raised 
more questions than answers in your heart. I understand. But I don't have enough time to unpack it well. Maybe I'll, I will do that in the 10 a.m. service. Maybe. Israel is not stronger than Syria, than Samaria. Samaria is not stronger than Pekka. This Pekka, who is a twig. Your God is stronger. And you know what God is saying? What was not written in that passage of scripture that is in Fred is this. Listen to this. Don't miss this. It is this. The same way Damascus is, um, Syria is not stronger than Damascus. Damascus is not stronger than Rezin. The same way Israel is not stronger than Samaria. And Samaria is not stronger than Pekka. The same way Judah is not stronger than Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is not stronger than Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. The same way. So, the same way Judah is not stronger than Jerusalem, and Jerusalem is not stronger than the king in the temple, if Jesus is your king, their king submits to your king. Every knee bows to him. Your God is stronger than their God. There's no reason to be afraid. Say to your neighbor, calm down. (laughs) There's no reason to be afraid. (laughs) That's the first reason. Second reason, very quickly, is, is this, is that God is with us. He's not only stronger, he's with us. Verse 14, he's not only stronger, he is with us. He says, all right then. The Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, a virgin will conceive and have a child. She will give birth to a son and you will call his name Emmanuel. God is with us. The world doesn't see God, Christ, like we see Christ. The, Lord, the world may see Christ as, as an ornament or as an exclamation. You know, today the world is seeing Christ as a swear word. In some movies, when the person says Jesus as an exclamation, they bleep it out. Just like using an, the F word or the S word. Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. The world sees Christ as an ornament or as, as, a, as an exclamation, but we must see him as the all-sufficient. He's the king over Jerusalem. Is the king over our lives. And he is with us. There's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason. There's no reason to be afraid because our God is with us. And God is with us for a particular reason amongst others. God is with us because God wants to be for us. God is with us, not to spectate, but to demonstrate his power. God is with us, not to just be passive. He's with us so that he can be active. He's with us, not just as a spectator. He wants to be a demonstrator. He wants to be active in your life. God with us. Like when he was sleeping in the boat, Jesus was sleeping in the boat, the disciples called him out. You're not supposed to be passive. You're supposed to be active. <laughs> Do you not care that we perish? Of course he does and he steals the storm. So God wants to be for you. And if you think about it, can anything, anything be better than knowing that God is with you. Think about it. Having the latest car without God being with you. Can anything be better than knowing or having the latest car with God being with you? 
Which is better? Nothing can be. Isaiah 8, 10. It says, call your counsels of war. By the time we move to the next chapter. But they will be worthless. Develop your strategies, but they will not succeed. For God is with us. Every counsel of war against you will be worthless. And every strategy against your destiny will not succeed. For one singular reason, God is with us. The the voice translation says, go ahead. Devise your plans. You know, don't try and stop the enemy. People are plotting against you in the office. Don't try and stop them. Tell them, go ahead. Devise your plans, but they will fail. Your proclamations won't matter because God is with us. We worry so much trying to stop people from planning against us. Let them plan. We worry so much trying to get people not to strategize against us. Let them strategize. But it will fail. It will fail. Why will it fail? Because we are muscular. Because we are intelligent. Because we can read the Bible. Why will it fail? Because God is with us. You read Romans 8.21. It says, what else can we say to these things? 31, sorry. If God be for us, who can be against us? And it's so big. As you walk away from here, this is what God is saying to you. Verse 7 of Isaiah 7. Isaiah 7. But this is what the sovereign Lord says. This invasion will never happen. This is what God is saying. This oppression will never take place. I don't know what you have heard. I don't know what is being planned. But this is what God is saying. This invasion will never happen. Concerning Nigeria, I don't know what you have heard. This oppression will cease to take place. In verse 1, Isaiah 7. When Ahaz, the son of Jotan, the grandson of Uzziah, was king of Judah, king Rezin of Syria, and Pekah, son of Ramalia, the king of Israel, set out to attract Israel. However, the however that turns the tide in your favor is going to transition you in 2018. It's a transitional statement. However, they were unable to carry out their plans. They were unable to carry out their plans. The question to you this morning is, can anything be better than knowing that God is with you? As we land this year, as we end this year, can anything be better as we go into an unknown year. Can anything be better than knowing that God is with us? That God is with you. Let's bow our hearts and bow our heads. I want to pray with you this morning. You're like, Pastor, nothing can be better than knowing that God is with me. I want to walk out of this place with God. I am far from God. Can you pray with me? I'm not born again. Oh, I used to be born again. I used to be with God. But I've gone away from God. I want to come back. Can you pray with me? Nothing can be better. Yes, I want to pray with you, my brother, my sister. I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you are seated, I'll pray with you. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. 
I will pray together. God bless you. I put up your up hand well. Shoot it up over your head. That is me. God bless you. God bless you, my sister. God bless you over there. That is me. That's me. God bless you, my brother, right there. That is me. Put up that hand. Oh, God bless you. Keep the hands up. They're going to slip a card in your hand. Once you have the card, you can put it down and, and cry to God. I come to you. I'm going to, I'm going to pray with you in a bit. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. Shoot that hands up over your head. I will pray together. Father, we, we pray for everyone that is surrounding to you today in the name of Jesus. We pray for every one of us. Lord, as we land this year, Lord, the confident assurance that God is with us. Let it saturate our lives in the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for 2017. The remaining hours in 2017, Lord, your presence will intensify in our lives. And we are open to all that you have for us. And your name will be glorified. Pray for everyone that surrendered to you, Father. We ask that you cleanse them, accept them, change their lives. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Let's pray and together for the Lord for his word, his kindness.